0: Welcome. You are listening to Voice of the COVID-19 front. I am Kanye Saboy. This podcast is aimed at ensuring that you keep breast as to how South Africans are coping during the COVID-19 epidemic. Today we are going to be talking about gender based violence, its prevalence in South Africa, how women are feeling about it, and in particular. What men's responses should really be when it comes to this. There has been a prevalence, or we can call it a wave, of reported and media visibility when it comes to gender based violence and femicide, and again, as a country in upheaval. I've asked Nelvia Rohith to join me in this conversation. Nelvia is a master facilitator and events coordinator who's very, very passionate about youth-led activism. Nalvia, welcome to the Voice of COVID-19 Front. Thank you so much for making time. Thank you so much for
1: having me. It's really such an honor to be a part of this program.
0: Mm. So tell me what comes to mind when you hear the phrase gender-based violence.
1: So when I think about the phrase gender-based violence, I think that it is the disproportionate and direct verbal, physical, sexual, and mental abuse or brutal violence towards one gender, specifically those who identify as female. Um, I think a critical piece of this description is the word disproportionate, as this is what defines the type of violence differently to other crimes. And according to statistics, essentially, women and children are the most marginalized communities and are enduring or succumbing to violence that is perpetrated by predominantly men. So now this doesn't mean that men are not affected by this issue, but that women are exponentially more likely to be affected by violence than their male counterparts. And that's why it is titled gender
0: based violence thank you for that. The general descriptor which is gender based violence is generally received as a, only a physical um, only a physical experience and and you would see that when we think about it, when we see it even in the news, we see women who have been battered um, and also women who have then subsequently been killed. I'm just wondering if you've seen it or people you know have experienced other forms of violence. And what are those?
1: Sadly, um, there, there isn't a woman in my family who I know who hasn't been affected by some form of gender-based violence in their lives. And you know what makes it worse is that the violence these women in my, in my life um, have endured has been perpetrated by men that all these women knew and loved and cared for. And the violence has taken the form of physical abuse, emotional abuse, and sexual coercion by the hands of their male partners, or their male children, or their male siblings, also combined with alcohol and drug abuse. And then these acts just take a different level of horrifying and brutality, to be totally honest. And that is the sad truth of it. This violence happens within our homes, within our communities, within close proximities, to our daily lives. They occur behind closed bars. And often, women who are affected by the most brutal crimes have been harmed by the hands of a man they knew. That is the sad
0: reality. It actually sends chills down my spine to think that every single one of us have a story whether it's not our own, in fact, I don't know a woman who doesn't have their own story of violence in the different varieties that exist. But we all have a story to tell about gender-based violence. And I'm sitting here just thinking, what kind of vulnerabilities do you think are women further enduring during this time of lockdown, this time of a pandemic?
1: So I think women and children were the most vulnerable during this time. Firstly, the ability for many women to independently provide for their own basic needs and the needs of their children was completely shut down, which means many of the informal businesses that so many women in our country are reliant upon were not accessible to our women. So, this is what traps many women in violent relationships um, as they kind of become bound by their responsibilities to provide for their children and for themselves, of course. Beyond that, mental abuse is debilitating. After countlessly being dehumanized or shamed by a violent partner, eventually your sense of self-worth is affected, like anyone naturally would be. Anyone who has faced mental illness, for example, knows that even though you so badly want to feel better or escape the confines of your pain, it's extremely difficult. So I think in the same regard, escaping an abuser, even if you have no resources or have all the resources, it can be extremely difficult. So, much of the women during these lockdowns had absolutely no escape. And inevitably, this meant that the cycle of violence was perpetuated, was able to continue. And unfortunately, they were not able to get any type of peace as in the form of, you know, going out to work or spending time with friends or going to the salon. They didn't have that community to find safety and solitude. And so became the most vulnerable during this time.
0: It's interesting that you would, you would pull in that sense of, of, of togetherness and, and, um, and community that is a necessary part of, of, of a woman's protection. Right. And, you know, we have an archetype for the type of woman who would be affected by gender-based violence. And some of the characters that you spoke about, the inability to be able to make um, ends meet for themselves, being in a confined space, children who have got vulnerabilities and such things. And I'm just thinking, the Indian community looks like it's got such a great sense of community and that none of this would be happening in that space. And I'm just wondering, what is the scenario there? What does gender-based violence look like there?
1: The Indian community is you know, widely and devastatingly affected by alcoholism and domestic violence. Um, frankly, I don't know many Indian women who have not faced violence in some shape or form but the worst injustice is that we do not even talk about it in the Indian community. We are constantly shrouded in shame and constantly concerned about you know, what other people will think. Will this bring shame on us as a family or as a woman? So what happens is that the abuse continues in its twisted cycle Indian men to continue, you know, to be hidden and protected as perpetrators because we are afraid to speak up. Or even if within the family they are aware, we are unable to act. And I really can't explain why we're unable to act and protect women who are affected by it. But I think a lot of it has to do with this cultural expectation that we have that we put on upon ourselves. And, you know, um, those men who are not perpetrators are often silent and often unwilling to say or do anything about it. It's almost as though if it doesn't personally affect them, then there isn't any urgency or immediate need to address it, even within our own homes. And. That is what I've seen in my own family, an extended family and my friendship circles. There's just a lack of willingness or urgency to speak up and do something, especially if it doesn't affect them.
0: Speaking about silence and a sense of urgency, I know that when um, the, work, the current reports started coming out, you organized two marches against gender-based violence. Um, even during this time of lockdown, which kind of pointed out your stance and some of your immediate friends and family's stance around, around this issue. Um, and quite recently, a very famous DJ um, and his group of people made a call out for men to march. And um, it was met with with some questions, which I suppose were difficult questions. And you know, men are standing there going, what do you guys want us to do? Because we want, we wanted too much and now you're saying this will not work. What do you think is the necessary actions that men should be taking when it comes to gender-based violence?
1: You know, I wish so deeply that men would take action for women as fiercely and passionately as we do for them and their injustices, you know. Frankly, frankly, we really need men in this fight. Nothing is going to change unless men come to the party. And with conviction, you know, not because it serves them in any capacity and not because they have a mother or a sister or a daughter or any female friends, because that should go without saying, but because in order to change the society we live in, we need to put the lived experiences of women at the center of conversations because they are the most marginalized as a community. This is not to say that, you know, men's experiences or challenges are not important. They are absolutely important. But what we're saying is that in addressing the injustices towards women, we will directly shift the way the world exists and then shift it in a positive direction so i think the more safe and responsible the society society uh, you know around us is the more likely our society and community will flourish and i think you know even before all of this we need men to show their allyship in simple forms like calling out inappropriate locker room talk or you know shutting down rape jokes or any of the stereotypes that discriminate against women. These are all like small imprints that we can leave with people to let them know that any type of disrespect is unacceptable. This shapes the language and the conversations we have around the rights and frankly, the existence of women in our world.
0: Nalve, I have to tell you, when you said the word safe, I was, I was slightly triggered. When you said safe and you said the existence, I was slightly triggered. And I just, how do you feel when people say be safe? You know, you're walking out and somebody says be safe. How does, what are your thoughts on the phrase itself? Be safe. To me, it means
1: having a plan A, B, C, D, E, with each of them having a more severe course of action to protect myself. At the basic level, I would say it means like notifying more than one person about my whereabouts at all times and sharing my location if possible. And then it goes, it ranges all the way up to how would I fight to protect myself? And then even thinking about like my willingness to jump out of a moving car if I were ever abducted. I recall many, many times choosing an alternative route to get to somewhere so that I would avoid, you know, walking past a group of men. I recall always holding my car keys in a way that I could potentially poke someone if I were attacked. I recall walking really fast or even doing a jog towards my car and constantly looking around to make sure I'm not being followed. These are the things I think about when I'm told to stay safe. And to me, that just sounds like survival. Those are survival tactics. That
0: doesn't sound like being safe to me i I'm hoping that, as people are listening to this podcast they hear yeah, the the urgency and the the difficulty of being unsafe in your own body, really because it doesn't matter whether you're at home or walking down the street, the sense of not being safe kind of follows you everywhere and I really really want to thank you for just opening this. Up and having this conversation with us so, so, so honestly. Just your final thoughts, I suppose, on the matter. You know, we all
1: have a part to do and a responsibility to do what's right. Do not let anyone make you feel that what you care about is not important. It absolutely is important and your voice does matter. Remember that your action... However, big or small, has the power to inspire someone. So, you've got to keep going. You have to keep going. And, you know, um, I think the first step for those of us who are just starting on the road to activism is to shift the way we are talking about and acting out gender roles. I think if we equip our children, both boys and girls, to learn about the world without language or roles, specified to specific genders, well, I guess according to what society has laid out, we will raise a generation of people who see each other as equal and capable, not based on what is expected of us as women or men, you know, but rather as human beings with a purpose. I think we need to empower children to take on the responsibilities of daily life Obviously, when they grow into adults, but learn the responsibilities of daily life in childhood beyond just earning a living or you know preparing yourself to earn a living, but also being present parents. What does that look like? How do you nourish that action and thinking within your child? And then, you know, contributing to the tasks in the home, learning simple life skills like cooking for themselves. That is a life skill. We all need to know that. We need to empower our children to spend time crafting and building things with their hands. Teach them about science and mathematics and politics and history and, you know, all the subjects. I don't think there should be a limitation on who you introduce those types of things to. Let them play and enjoy sports. You know, let them explore, encourage them to learn comprehensively a variety of things and with a variety of people, let them learn how to be amongst all types of children. And yeah, I think from that you, first of all, you learn, you know, empathy and cultural acceptance, and you start to build respect for one another because you're able to see each other in natural environments, in spaces that nourish you and and feed your spirit. Um, And I, I think we need to nourish the next generation without the limitations of fear and the roles that society has stipulated for them. So in whatever shape or form you are exhibiting your activism, It is powerful and it matters. And I encourage you to keep going. Find a community of people who will stand with you and keep going because you would be amazed at how many people you can inspire through your actions. And even if it's just one person, that counts. It counts so much.
0: I will say this. There is never an excuse for violence. But if you are experiencing any form of gender-based violence, the command center is 0800-428-428. Their WhatsApp number is 0600-123-456. Share this with people who may need it. And from us, it is goodbye. Should you need any further updates... Make sure that you follow us on social media. It is at civilsociety underscore. We can also look up our website. It is communityconstituency.org. Thank you.